It's the Healthy Woman Show on WJR with Ann Thomas and Dr. Carol Kowalczyk, presented by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. Welcome to WJR's Healthy Woman Show, brought to you by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. I'm Ann Thomas, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Carol Kowalczyk. And Dr. Carol, this is going to be a great show. Well, Ann, I am so excited about infertility awareness. We're going to talk about Infertility Awareness Week, what infertility is all about, talk to a couple experts that help optimize fertility success, and I can't wait to talk about the Walk of Hope coming April 30th. An interesting and informative show coming up next. WJR's Healthy Woman Show, brought to you by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. I'm Ann Thomas, and I am here with my co-host, Dr. Carol Kowalczyk. And on this edition of the show, we are talking about infertility awareness. And Dr. Carol, Infertility Awareness Week starts on April 24th and runs until April 30th, correct? Mm-hmm. And then on May 1st, that's actually Infertility Awareness Day. National Fertility Day. Yep. National Fertility Day. And the obviously, week Day. The, the week before Mother's Day. Obviously, Dr. Carol, this issue is all important to you. So why don't we start out and just define for our listeners, what is infertility? When do you know you have a problem? Thanks, Anne. It's very common. And I, I really want to put out there that don't be afraid. If you are having problems with getting pregnant or you know someone having problems with getting pregnant, talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. One in eight couples or you know, almost 15% of the population has difficulty with getting pregnant. So it's very, very common. And less than 10% of fertility couples seek help. So we've got a long way to go to uh, put it out there that it's okay. It is it is a medical condition. It's something that when you start talking, someone knows somebody who knows somebody who's struggling with fertility. And guess what? Somebody knows somebody who knows somebody who is successful with their fertility treatment. So, you know, if you had diabetes or high blood pressure, you had a little, you know, palpitations in your heart, what are you doing? You're going to your primary care. You're like, hey, what do I do to make this better? Well, fertility is a medical condition and it's something that we need to appreciate as such and that over 90% of the time we can figure out a reason and find a treatment, right? So when do you start thinking that you have this medical condition? Definitions include uh, inf- trying to get pregnant for a year of trying if you're under 35, six months if you're over 35, and my definition is yesterday if you're over 40, Um, just because of the timeline of the finite uh, reproductive uh, life of of our age and our egg span. And, you know, we're going to have Dr. Dupree on the show later to talk about the guys, but, you know, it's something that, that we really need to address and make sure people know those definitions and not be afraid to come to see someone you know, if they're in those categories. And, you know, that figure that you quote about the number of people that still don't come to see you because they are still worried or they don't know what this is going to be like, what would you say to those people? I mean, you're Michigan's leading 
fertility doctor. You're the top doctor in this business. You've been doing it for a long time. You've seen people with all kinds of different problems related to infertility. What do you say to people who are nervous about getting help? Is that we're a family, we're a team, we're there with you. And and when you have the support system behind you to be able to say, hey, let's look at your history. Let's do some tests. Let's decide what these tests mean. Here are your choices of what we can do to help you. We're in this together. Don't be afraid. We've got the support system for you, um, not only in the staff medically, but we have a whole wellness center. And, and Claire and later in the show is going to talk about the impact of stress and mental health. So, you know, in our practice, we have the whole package to be able to just not look at numbers, just not look at be, be blinded by only certain things, but to take everything into consideration and also to encourage you to talk to each other, to talk to your support system, to have us as your support system. And so when you're struggling with trying to build up a family, know that you are not alone. And the more that you share this journey, the more support you're going to have. So, so by all means, don't be afraid. There's a lot that we can check out, a lot we can figure out, and a lot we can do to help. You know, you've got these fabulous centers all over Metro Detroit, and you're obviously a, a really big going concern. But the most important thing about your practice, I think, from being there several times, talking to your patients and hearing their stories is that you're really family to your patients. You're not just saying, oh, you're a number, you've got a problem, come on in and we'll try to fix it. You're there to be with them through the process. And let's be honest, it's a very personal thing. It is. And, and we're very proud of that. I'll, I'll never forget. I was, I was having dinner with someone who was in a different fertility center out of state. And he said to me, well, you know, the woman was very cold. She kind of essentially said, you want a baby? This is how much IVF costs. And there was no bedside manner, no personality. It was state your name, do IVF. Well, well, there's a lot of things other than IVF that can help couples get pregnant. And, and what we try to do as a family of fertility is to figure out what your comfort levels are. And, and I got to tell you, the highest compliment we always get, and we get it all the time is, I don't want to leave you guys. So they get pregnant, they're successful, and they're like, we don't want to leave. Can you can you kind of deliver our baby? I'm like, nope, I have not caught a baby in like, I don't know. And it's like catching a football, a little slimier, but you know what I mean? It's like, I am not going to drop your kid. I helped you help you make it. I'm not, but, um, but they, you know, the, my staff, I mean, they, they want to know what you did on the weekend. They want to know where you got that top. That's cool. They want to know what you did for your baby's birthday. And, and the other thing is it's not all about the numbers Anne. right? So I could tell you based on your numbers that you've got, this is what you need to do, but everyone deserves choices. So we outline choices and we outline different success rates. And, but we have to take into account, you know, what they feel like um, their, their religious concerns, their ethical concerns, their timeline for building a family, their financial concerns. And so, you know, you, you do take the data and the information you get, but you have to fold in all of those things in order to make a plan that's right for that couple. And then the other thing is you can't have your optimal success in without having a good base. So, you know, we have the wellness centers, uh, the InHarmony wellness centers. So 
It's very, we, on every single visit, we discuss um, general health, right? Because if you optimize your general health, then your fertility is going to improve as well. So we, we incorporate a, in every single consult, a conversation about, okay, what can you do naturally to improve your fertility? And in this show, we're going to talk to Dr. Dupree, Dr. James Dupree, about the importance of the man being involved in this process. And that's something that, frankly, I'd never really even thought about. And, you know, this is something that I've really appreciated over the 20 years. It's our 20th anniversary, too, I am, of being at Michigan Center. But, you know, more couples, I'm so proud of the couples that come in because they're so invested. They really want this to happen. And I see that the guys, you know, are very into, hey, what can I do to help make my sperm better? What can I do to help support my wife? I love that. I hear that all the time. What can I do to help support her? Because she's the one who's going to go for the ultrasounds and the visits and the injections and all of that. And, and I think that it's just really, really awesome that the guys are involved. And, and I'm proud of this show because it's going to talk to Dr. Dupree. Uh, we're going to talk to Dr. Dupree, but the mental health with Claire. And then this walk of hope. I mean, this, these two ladies, Sue Johnston and Leandria Fisher, um, from the walk of hope, this is an, a way for our community to get out there and get together and say, hey, you know what? We know that there is a medical condition that we can be together and help to optimize fertility success. And, and I'm very excited to talk to these two women and, and get more people coming down on April 30th to walk with us. So you are listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show. Coming up next, we are going to talk to one of the top urologists in the state of Michigan, a very good friend of Dr. Carol Kowalczyk's, and he specializes in the advanced treatment of male infertility. We'll be back right after these messages. are listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show, brought to you by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. I'm Ann Thomas, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Carol Kowalczyk. And Dr. Carol, we now say hello to Dr. James Dupree, a Michigan medicine urologist who specializes in the advanced treatment of male infertility. Dr. Dupree, welcome to the show. Hello, and thank you for having me. It's great to be with you all again. And I know that Dr. Carroll's got some questions for you. I am just biting at the bit to talk to you, Jim. <laughs> Thank you for taking great care of my patients. So, um, you know, I thought uh, this uh, segment or this show is, is really helpful, as I said in the last segment, about making people aware of, you know, fertility and, and what to um, expect, um, you know, if they're, they're having, you know, problems with, with trying, uh, when to go see someone. But I thought it would be cool is, is, you know, I'm getting ready to have a baby. My wife and I have been married a couple of years. We're ready to, to start that family. What are some tips you can give to the guys listening about getting themselves prepped to optimize fertility success? What can they do ahead of time when they're getting ready to start having those kids? Well, that's a great question. And again, thanks for um, having me on the show again. And thanks for giving time to this really important topic. And I think a couple things come to mind in terms of what I want men to be aware of as they think about building their family. Um, the first thing is that um, it's actually really common for couples to have trouble conceiving. And so we know that about one in eight couples in the US have trouble conceiving. Um, and 
in about 30 to 50% of those cases, the man is contributing in part or in whole to that couple's struggles. And so I think historically in our country and probably many other countries, it used to be assumed that if a couple was having trouble getting pregnant, that it was something on the female side. Well, we're really now aware that the man has a really big role to play. And so I think it's really good for men from the very beginning to know that they have a role in this, um, that they have an important, important part of, of helping them and their partner kind of build their family. Um, so awareness is really key. And I think just being aware that, that your health matters too as the man um, is a great starting point. Then when we start to get more specific about what men can do to improve their chances of getting pregnant, I often tell men sort of in general terms, what's good for your body is also gonna be good for your sperm. And I think that really kind of broad advice helps men make some decisions as they work on building their family. There are also some very specific things that I tell men um, that are both good for their body, but then also good for their sperm. And there's pretty good research to tell, to support why these are so important for the sperm. So the things that I tell guys are important, again, for their overall health and for their reproductive health. One is um, kind of what they eat and their weight and the way, the lifestyle with which they take care of their body. And so we do know that when men are overweight, they tend to have lower sperm counts than when men have normal weight. And so paying attention to kind of what you're eating, how you're exercising, and kind of your overall body health is really important. Um, I also counsel men that we know that certain chemicals are bad for sperm. And so in particular, we know that smoking tobacco is bad for sperm. We also know that THC, um, the active ingredient in marijuana is also bad for sperm. And so that's true whether the marijuana is uh, consumed as an edible, vaped, smoked, it's the THC, it's the active ingredient that we know is bad for sperm. So I tell men if they're thinking about building a family that now's a really great time to quit smoking or quit using tobacco and also cut out THC to prepare themselves to be uh, good active participants in family building. Um, I also mentioned hot tubs or saunas. And so understandable when people like to exercise or when it's cold in a Michigan winter, a lot of people enjoy hot tubs or saunas, but that really intense heat of a hot tub or a sauna is not good for sperm. And it actually will lower sperm counts. It can do it pretty dramatically. Um, Speaking of temperature, and this is something much that probably the last time we talked about this wasn't an issue, but COVID. And so we are actually now aware that the COVID infection uh, can be detrimental to men's reproductive health and to their sperm counts. Um, and that can be true whether they get a fever from COVID or not. And so I also tell men that it's actually really important that they get vaccinated against the COVID virus. The vaccines have been proven to be safe for sperm. Um, and not have any negative impact on his or reproductive health. And actually it's better for him to get vaccinated than it would be for him to get COVID. Um, and then I talked to him as well about sleep and stress. We have less great direct research to tell us that sleep and stress matters, but anecdotally, I do think that those things play a role as well. So all of those are great, great things that are doable. When it comes to um, weight and BMI, what is the logic behind, you know, I, I know about women being overweight and how it affects the reproductive hormones um, and insulin resistance and all that, but how does that affect guys being overweight? So we think it's primarily uh, two things, one hormones and two kind of a general inflammatory state. And so when men are obese, especially when they have a lot of what we call truncal obesity, meaning they've got a large abdominal circumference, 
um, there's good data to tell us that those men tend to have lower testosterone levels. Um, and that might be because they have um, in our fat cells, in all of our fat cells, we have an enzyme that turns testosterone into estrogen or estradiol. Um, and so when we have more fat cells, we have more of that enzyme and we probably have lower testosterone levels in part because of that. But the related part is that, and it's the same for women I know, is that um, obesity is an inflammatory state. Uh, men have more kind of inflammatory chemicals in their body when they are overweight. And we think that it's that inflammatory state that also likely causes kind of lower sperm counts and lower fertility. Got it. And then I think in one of the other uh, shows, you've quoted something like for one cigarette is a 1% decrease in their fertility. Um, I don't know that I remember that data exactly, um, but in general, um, sort of any amount of tobacco in, uh, uh, ingestion is bad for fertility. Um, so uh, uh, I do tell men whether it's you know chewing or snuff or especially with cigarettes to or vaping to to find ways to abstain from uh, tobacco. And importantly for all of these things, whether it's tobacco, marijuana, or any other lifestyle change, sperm take three months to be made. And so it's important that men start thinking ahead a little bit and they start making some of these changes at least three months before they want to start trying with their partner to have their family. If you quit smoking, you don't see the benefits right away. It takes three months to really gain those benefits. Well, now fast forward. I mean, in the first segment, I talked about what the definitions of infertility. So oh, you're all excited. You've been trying. You've kind of like doing it to do it, not doing any kind of math and not kind of doing any calculations. Then it's three, four months where it's not happening. She's checking her ovulation. He's worried. Now they're having sex more. And in the definitions, like I said, we talked about, at what point do you get involved with these guys and, and what would you would be your workup to do? Sure. So I get involved, uh, really, I think of three main um, instances where I get involved. The first is those definitions. And so, you know, the American Society of Reproductive Medicine really says that when a couple is having trouble conceiving, both the male and the female partner should be evaluated. And so whether it's after 12 months of regular intercourse in a younger couple or after six months of regular intercourse uh, in a couple where the woman is 35 or older, I will often get involved at that point, especially if the man has an abnormal semen analysis. Um, the second category or instance is if men are having any sort of um, erectile dysfunction or sexual dysfunction associated with intercourse. Um, and it's very common for men to have some erectile dysfunction. And if that is a problem, if that's a barrier preventing them from being able to have the regular intercourse together, I have things that can help. Um, and the third is a broad category. Frankly, it's if they have any other concern. So some men may have something they remember from childhood that they're anxious or worried about, or just something that's sort of bugging them or that gut feeling that makes them worry that something is wrong. So just broadly speaking, if they have any other male reproductive concern, um, they're happy, to, they're welcome to come and see me. And do you have any questions for Jim? Dr. Dupree, what would you say to the men in the audience that might be, you know, a little bit nervous about coming to see you or uncomfortable? That's a great question. So first of all, I'll tell them that's normal. It's normal to be nervous, normal to be uncomfortable. Um, our evaluations are gentle. They are, they will, are, are minimally invasive and our evaluation involves a discussion, just talking about their history, a gentle examination where we do need to do an exam of the testicles, but we do that very privately and very sensitively and gently. 
Um, and then we asked men to do two other things. We asked them to provide a semen sample. Most men will masturbate to provide that semen sample. And we asked them generally to do a blood draw um, where we will check some reproductive hormones. So those are really the four things we do. It's common to be nervous, but lots of guys come in and, and we're very happy to take care of them in a sensitive and private manner. And it's also important to note that it's common to have problems with infertility, right? More common than we realize. That's right. And again, we think about one in eight couples in the U.S. So almost 12 or 13% of couples have trouble conceiving, uh, which is a lot of people. It's your neighbors, it's your friends, it's your cousins. It's really common, even though I think historically our culture hasn't talked about it a lot. I wish we talked about it more. That's why I'm so grateful for you, your, your team and your show is making this a topic that people will um, hear about on the radio. And it's important, I think, Dr. Carroll and Dr. Dupree, to get the guys involved. You know, when, when a man and a woman are working together, the result's going to be better, don't you think? Absolutely. And, and that's the thing is, what, I don't know about you, Jim, but what I'm seeing is that the guys are being more involved, which is really, really great. I see the couples coming in and the guys are so curious about their sperm counts. And then the first question they ask me is, hey, what can I do to make it better? And they want to be there. They and, and that's something over the years. It's our 20th anniversary being in Michigan Center. And, and over the years, I've seen more and more couples that are actively involved equally together uh, to make that family happen. What about you, Jim? Do you see that as well? I do. And I've been really encouraged by the same thing. It's been great to see men more actively engaged and interested in wanting to kind of understand their health and understanding their role in helping build their families. Dr. James Dupree, Michigan Medicine Urologist, thank you for the great advice today. Thanks for having me. It was great being with you all. You are listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show. We'll be back right after this. You are listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show. I am here with my co-host, Dr. Carol Kowalczyk. And Dr. Carol, great conversation today about infertility. And our guest now is Claire Hogan. Claire is a licensed professional counselor, and Claire is here today to talk a little bit about the role of stress and infertility. And Carol, I'm going to let you kind of kick things off here. All right, Anne, thank you so much. Welcome back, Claire. We, we always love having you on the, these uh, evening shows. Hi, Dr. Kowalczyk. Hi, Anne. I'm so glad to be here. So I was going to take a different swing on this uh, interview with you because I know we have you on many, many times and we talk about, you know, the stress that people experience when their fertility treatments don't work or when they've gone through this long stretch of fertility. But taking a little twist on, on this, um, I want to talk about that couple that is like, okay, this is the year we want to have a baby. Um, you know, we really want to start going for it. And I want to ask you a general question about your perception of stress and, and impact on fertility. Uh, and, and, and what is the general consensus? Because I get this asked all the time. Should my wife quit work? Should she take a, a lower position? Should she take some time off? So, so let us know what the general literature says about stress and, and getting pregnant. Absolutely. So while we do know that there, that stress can implement um, difficulty when you're in the fertility process. We know through studies that the stress and mental and emotional load can sometimes be enough to make people pause treatment, which of course really delays 
us getting you to your family that you're trying to build. Um, but at the same time, and you've said this before, Dr. Kowalczyk, we have people who are conceiving in famines and wartime. And so we, we absolutely can see pregnancies achieved through that. So our goal is to minimize as much as we can so we can give you the emotional tenacity and resilience to stay in treatment until we can get you to that healthy pregnancy. And many times, Claire, I think what we find is you're 100% correct. You know, you talk about poverty, uh, pandemics that people are getting pregnant, um, but you can't really necessarily quit your job, right? Okay. And, and there, but there are studies suggesting, I think we talked about this, that um, with individual or group counseling or just stress management itself, that you could have an improvement in your, your successful pregnancy rates by 30 to 50%. That's right. So one of the things I tell my patients is, you know, and, and I'll open up to, to your thoughts is, you know, you can't quit your, you can quit your job, but you know, you've, you've built this career, you've got this job. I feel like there's job and career stresses that you really can't control. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you've got long days, you've got minimal hours to really go out and, 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 you know, attack your stress during the office hours. Uh, I think you have some suggestions you'll tell us in the workplace of trying to help with that stress. Mm -hmm. But what I tell my patients is, you know, you've got homes, your haven, right? And you've got your partner there. So when you're getting excited about having a baby, you know, maybe work together to say, all right, so work may not be controllable, but maybe I can make a, a less stressful home environment or have some kind of camaraderie with my partner that will decrease stress at home or make it a more relaxa relaxing environment. That's what right. are your, what are your tips for Absolutely. people that are worried about that? Yes. And so, and just to touch on the workplace environment, absolutely. If your occupation is entirely stressful, there's ways that we can offset that. But in general, we try to really highlight to our patients that fertility is not your whole identity. And so if you have built your professional career and your professional identity, we, we really don't want to just kind of dismantle everything. Um, so we're dwelling and worrying and, and so immersed in the fertility part of things that we actually see people a little more stressed out when they don't have those normal distractions and pockets of space where they're not always thinking about labs and cycle days and things like that. So staying into some normalcy and nurturing those parts of your life is just as important. Um, but absolutely, when couples are gearing up for fertility, this is your time. This is so exciting. And as we can approach it as an team of how do we make our lives um, from our diet, our activities, our sex life, our relationship as strong as we can going into this, we're going to see a far more successful experience in terms of the weight of this not really impacting the couple. So really preserving and making time for date nights and nurturing relationship, the marriage, being creative with our intimacy, um, definitely just finding ways to sometimes compartmentalizing fertility talk. So it's not, it doesn't take the arena all day, every day in terms of you talking to your partner. Um, but we say, okay, let's talk about this for 20 minutes and kind of work through it together or process or make some decisions. And then let's go watch, you know, Seinfeld on TV or something <laughs> that's going to kind of integrate some normalcy too. So really just preserving and and strengthening the relationship and partnership is going to be really important. And, and I think that um, also fertility wise, it's important that people know what the definitions of infertility are, which we've talked about, you know, 
earlier. And, and so keeping that timeline where it's really exciting, it's like, okay, May is go time, right? We're going to try yes. to have a baby and then it doesn't work. And, you know, couples will now know that they only have about a, you know, 10% chance of getting pregnant per month. Now, fast forward, you know, it's getting to be six months and, you know, you're 33 years old. It's getting to be six months. You know, the definition is a year of trying, but now it's getting a little more stressful. So mm-hmm. like, what would be the change in recommendations when you're starting to feel that, uh Oh, okay. I'm halfway through the year. I'm not pregnant yet. I know it's normal or is it, you know, sure. what, what would you Absolutely. Tell Lily we're going through that phase. Yeah. So mindset is so important. Every patient I talk to, I really emphasize, and I bet you all of our patients could re, you know, my phrase is this is a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. And it, it tries trying just to highlight that it really does take time, even under the most natural and organic circumstances that, you know, we're trying in May and we get pregnant in May is not the experience for, for many people. And so just to really adjust your mindset and understand that when it does get hard, we've got tools to help you with anxiety reduction, body work. We can help navigate the stress that's building when the timeline is looking different. Um, but having a, an appropriate mindset and a realistic mindset is really important. And your doctor can help you understand that based on your age and your fertility, you know, what the labs are showing can kind of, uh, lend us to what we can expect for your treatment and just help you support until we get there. Um, but also just changing your language, even just saying things like when we get pregnant, not if we get pregnant, you know, just really holding tight to a positive mindset that this is going to happen and how and when might not be in our control, but we have a lot of options and a great team around us to get us there. Perfect. And did you have any questions for Claire? Claire, you're so positive about this. What a great idea to change the language. I love that. But this is partly for Dr. Carroll too, this question. Can you explain to our listeners why stress would in affect infertility? Like what happens in the body that stress would actually play such a big role? Well, you, you can't measure stress, right? They tried to do blood tests. There's one alpha amylase that they were looking at a marker to see if, if that could be a, 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 an idea of if Jane is more stressed than Mary, and that's why Jane can't get pregnant as well. Uh, But when you are stressed, you increase cortisol. Cortisol is a stress hormone. And so that we believe can disrupt the reproductive pathways of your ability to get the hormones in the right balance to then stimulate egg production. But you don't know what level of stress, what level of cortisol, and that's why you can't measure it. That's why it's different for every single person. And that's why some people in the worst scenarios are still getting pregnant, but other ones, if they haven't got pregnant in a month, are struggling. So, you know, there's no way to measure it. There's no way to measure the stress response because everyone's unique. There's no way to monitor or have a algorithm to measure these hormones that are happening. So, you know, we're kind of going on kind of data that like Dr. Dumar and some other people have, have researched to see that there, there is a, there can be a correlation, but not for everyone. So it's fascinating, isn't it? Because it it affects everybody so differently. But we do know this, Claire, we know that everybody out there who is interested in getting pregnant should be eating right, Mm -hmm. should be exercising and doing things to make themselves as healthy as possible during this time. That's right. The mind-body connection is so profoundly 
true, you know, and so any, anything that we can be doing from rest, you know, cellular regeneration, eating well, like your basic physical needs are going to play into how well you navigate stress. And so absolutely making sure that body, mind, and spirit were gearing up for um, an intense time, but a really hopeful and exciting time too. And even exercising together is a good idea for a couple, because that goes back to your original point of kind of establishing your relationship, making your bond stronger. Mm -hmm. And so it might be a good idea for couples to get out there together and do some fun things. That's right. Instead of a big carb dinner and a bottle of wine, you know, just really gearing things up uh, for going under your fertility processes. But put the wine in the sippy cup. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Claire Hogan, thank you for your time today. It was really great talking to you. Wonderful advice. Thank you, Anne. Thank you, Dr. Kowalczyk. Thank you. You are listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show. We'll be back right after these messages. Carol, in this last segment of WJR's Healthy Woman Show, we say hello to Andrea Fisher and Sue Johnston. They are the co-founders of the Walk of Hope coming up on April 30th. And I know that this is a very important event for you, Dr. Carol. You really care about this and you want our listeners to know about it. Well, as you know, Anne and Leandria and, and Sue, everyone knows how passionate I am about fertility and and helping couples. And, and the more voice we have, the more people are going to feel more comfortable getting the fertility care they need. And I'm very proud to be a presenting sponsor of Walk of Hope and even more proud of an honor to know these two ladies. I mean, so impressive, so special. And I just, I can't say enough about Sue Johnston and Leandra Fisher. And I want them to tell their, um, their, their pride in being part of this. So Sue, I'm going to start with you. Can you kind of give a little background about how you and Leandria got together and to make the walk of hope? Sure. Well, I think it stems from my own personal infertility journey. And, uh, because of that, I'm going to give you the, just the synopsis. I, I wrote a book, I decided to become a support group leader because I found out after doing an advocacy day and a federal advocacy day in Washington, DC that Michigan really needed a lot of support. So I started support groups. And once my local and national support groups grew enough, um, I decided we had enough people that would be willing to do a walk of hope. I contacted Cindy, uh, Cindy Hollister at Resolve headquarters and told her that I wanted to do a walk of hope. Uh, I had been affiliated with Resolve for quite a while and um, since my own family building journey, but I was on the receiving end and I wanted to turn my pain into purpose and try to help other people on their journey. So when I reached out to Cindy and said I wanted to do a walk of hope in support of Resolve, Lo and behold, she told me that that she had just heard from another woman in the Detroit area, and her name was Leandria Fisher, and she put the two of us together. It was just like a divine, you know, connection. So Leandria and I met um, in person in February of 2019, just to see if we would click and jive and if we had the same 
interest and, and, and just vision for how we wanted to support the community, bring resources to the community so people would be aware, um, raise money for Resolve, the National Infertility Association, and just raise awareness because we thought if we had a community together that we could be stronger together and make more of an impact for those who are going through it. So that's kind of a little bit about our background in a nutshell. And uh, yes, you can feel free to ask me any more questions. And Leandria, tell us a little bit about this walk. Give us the details. Yes, well, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. Um, the Walk of Hope is going to be a fundraising walk, and we're emphasizing the fun in the Walk of Hope. So as we're gathering together, we've got a hybrid event as we try to build back from our initial event in 2019. We started off with gathering in Tolan Park, and we are going to return there um, this year. Um, but it was an opportunity for families to come together, for people to link arms and to hold hands, to make connections with professionals like Dr. Kowalczyk and others who can provide services for families that are attempting to grow their family. So in that setting, it literally is an opportunity to come together, to stretch your legs, to walk, to bring your fur babies as long as they're on a leash. It is a rain or shine event. It's an opportunity, again, to gather information and gather community. So again, I mentioned that we're building back, right? So this year is a hybrid event. The virtual program will take place on Facebook um, in the Detroit, Michigan Walk of Hope Facebook group. It is pre-recorded and it will last forever so that that information can be shared with all kinds of folks. And we hope that um, the participants will do that. That happens at 11 a.m. on Saturday, April the 30th. The Face-to-face -face event will convene at Tolan Park at 601 Mack Avenue in Detroit, uh, right there where most people are familiar with uh, visiting Eastern Market or right there next to the Lexus Velodrome. So please come together, uh, bring, again, it's a rain or shine event. We'll have an opportunity to gather, um, connect with folks with a similar journey and just have a wonderful time. Walk as much or as little as you like, but please plan to join us there at the Walk of Hope. And how long is the walk and what is the donation to participate? This, we are happy to say, is a free event. The oh, registration nice. is not necessary to participate, but we're hoping that people will come, that they will register at bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash Detroit W-O-H, and that they would consider making a donation. Teams of five or more will receive a shirt at the meetup that is just planned for a two-hour event. So from 12 to 2, and we're hoping that people will come and join and participate. Leandria Fisher and Sue Johnston, co-founders of the Walk of Hope, thank you so much for your time today. You are most welcome, and thank you for having us. Hope to Thank see you, you on the walk. All the best with this great event. You've been listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show, brought to you by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. On behalf of Dr. Carol Kowalczyk, I'm Ann Thomas. 
and we hope you have a great day. The Healthy Woman Show with Ann Thomas and Dr. Carol Kowalczyk has been presented by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health.